Why don't you go ahead and uh, grab your Bibles and go to the book of John. John chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning. John chapter 3. If you have a Bible on you this morning, if you put your hand up, we have ushers who would love to get a Bible in your hand. If you forgot your Bible or you don't own a Bible, for sure, throw your hand up. Grab one of these Bibles as our gift to you. But go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. You know, it was just uh, yesterday, I was in my garage doing something with my car, and I opened the garage door up, and as I opened it up, there was a van in my driveway, and two guys dressed super nice, saying, oh, hi, and you know who they are, right? If they're dressed super nice, there's two of them, right? I'm thinking, okay, so either Jehovah Witnesses or Mormons, right? So I'm like, awesome, let's do this, and so... Um, we started talking and, and having a discussion, and, and the discussion got to this point where I asked them, I said, hey, how is it that you guys are right with God? H how do you have a relationship with God? And here's what it boiled down to for these guys, and, and just super nice guys, and it boiled down to this. They said, well, we, we serve him. That, that's why we go door to door. This is what we do. And so I said, okay, so, so it's, it's your good works. It's what you do. That's what gets you into the kingdom of heaven. And then I said this. I said, that, man, that sounds tiring. That sounds so precarious. Like, like, how do you know? How do you know when you've got to that point where I've done enough good works, that these, these good works balance out my brokenness and my sin? And I said to them, just honestly, I said, Man, I don't trust that for myself. Not because I think I know more than these guys. I said, I, I'm not trying to, trying to argue with you, but I just want to say, man, man if, if I have to gain God's approval, if I have to appease him with what I do, if I have to gain approval like he's my boss, I'm lost. Instead, I want to trust him as my father. I, I serve him because he's my father. Be, I, I love him, I said, because he loved me first. And then I started talking about Jesus. Now, they didn't want to go there. They, they kept saying, well, well, let's not talk about Jesus because Jesus, I mean, he, he was just an angel and, and, and we don't need Jesus like you think you need Jesus. And, and I just kept going on about Jesus. And they said this, they said, man, you seem pretty passionate about Jesus. I'm like, yeah, because I've been changed by him. Because of his grace, because of his sacrifice on the cross in my place, because of his presence in my life. And, and I said, you, you hope in good works. I said, I don't, because I know my heart and I don't trust it. I trust Jesus. And the one guy asked, he, he said, hey, would you mind if we came back? I'm like, heck yeah. Yeah, come on back. I said, do you want to talk more about Jesus? And as they left, I said, I hope you guys meet Jesus. You see, there are these encounters we see in the New Testament where people come face to face with Jesus. They, they, they literally meet him face to face. And then as Jesus encountered these people, their whole lives were turned upside down. Upside down by his, his radical grace. Upside down by his, his deeply personal challenge. His, his compelling invitation saying, hey, hey, you can be transformed in how you see God, how you see yourself, how you see others. And, and listen, listen, I believe Jesus is still meeting people, encountering people today. And my prayer is, over these next number of weeks as we walk through this series called Encountering Jesus... That through his word, through his spirit, through, through, through what he does in these moments, that you would meet him in a real way. That we'd all be transformed. You see, the, these, these encounters in scripture are there for us too. They're, they're very real, but they also have these, this deep meaning for each of us. That there's a lesson in each of these encounters for all of us in all of these encounters. 
And here's the counter we want to look at this morning. It's this guy named Nicodemus. Look at John chapter 3 if you're there. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let's just stop right there. I mean, you see this phrase. He says, Jesus, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And and Jesus says it definitely. He he starts it off with, truly, truly, I say this. That's a Jewish way of saying, this is the truth. Truly, truly, it literally means amen and amen. It's something we would say after someone says something, and you go, amen, that's true. I love how Jesus, with authority, he doesn't say it after. He says it before he even says what he's going to say. He says, this is truth. Truth you need to listen to. Here's what's going to need to happen, Nicodemus. If you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to be made right with God, if you want a relationship with God, he says, you need to be born again. Now, now you don't need to be a church person to have have never heard that phrase before, right? Like, it's it's a common phrase that we know, a born-again Christian. And in our culture, it's, 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 it's often seen this way. You, you, maybe you're reading a social media post or some news story, and, and you read a story of somebody who's like just living the life of sex, drugs, rock and roll, right? They're, they're just totally all into debauchery, and everybody knows the, this life they live, and they're spiraling out of control, more and more out of control. But, the, but then the, the thing you're reading, it would say this. It would say they hit rock bottom, totally lost, and then, then they found religion had this radical turnaround. Now they're a born-again Christian. It's kind of the way we would use it. Or another cultural way we use that word is, is, is we talk about maybe, maybe not somebody who so desperately needed a rescue, but we use it to describe somebody who is, who is like you look at their, their life and, and the world will look in and say, they're not just a church-going Christian. No, no, no. They're one of those born-again Christians, right? Like they don't live like the rest of us. Like, they're weird. They're, they're super religious. They, they, they live out one of the, this life that is so strict and so different. And, so, and they're, they're born again Christians. So this idea of born again, it, it could either mean in our culture, it either means you're emotionally broken and you desperately need a crutch and so you got religion. Or if you're born again, it means you're so committed to your faith that you live this narrow religious life. That's born again. And what do we see here in this text? And culture didn't invent this word. Jesus came up with it. He came up with this phrase, right? He coined it. And it's super odd who Jesus says to, you need to be born again. If, if culture says it's for those who are down and out, they get born again, or, or those who are super religious, they're examples of people who are born again. I mean, if that's true, why is Jesus telling this guy, Nicodemus, that he needs to be born again? Next week, Pastor Matt's going to be preaching out of the next chapter in John where Jesus meets this, this broken woman. She's, she's completely on the outside. Her, her life, a dumpster fire. For sure, you would go, oh yeah, Jesus should say to her. But Jesus says to Nicodemus. I mean, look who he is. Verse 1 says he was a Pharisee. I mean, Pharisees are guys who are all in, completely devoted, devout. They, they memorized the Old Testament. They took the 613 laws you find in the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, and then they like made them, here's the list, here's the book we go by. Not just that, they then added to those laws 
thousands of other laws. They said, we got to put these other laws, the Mishnah is called, around those laws so we really protect it. Nicodemus would have known his faith forwards and backwards. He would have prayed regularly, multiple times a day. He, his whole life would have revolved around his faith. And it says this, he's not just a Pharisee. Look what it says, verse 1. A Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. That means he was a member of what was called the Sanhedrin, part of the ruling class. So, so he's this religious leader and he's a political leader. Now, we learn later about who he is later in the book of John. Not only was he religious and knowledgeable and powerful, he was also super wealthy. Like if, if, if I was going to hold up a picture for you of somebody who had it all together, it'd be like, may I introduce to you Nicodemus? You, you could put this guy up against anyone here in this room. And he's head and shoulders above us on knowing the word, on living a righteous life. Here he is, part of the ruling elite. The guy's got a PhD from the Ivy League school. He has connections, he has power, he has privilege, he has status, he has wealth, he has popularity. Right away we can see, wait a minute, whatever it is we think it means to be born again, it's obviously not a call to be more religious and it's obviously not a call to try to get your life put together. I mean, this guy is the religious goat, right? He's the greatest of all time. Right, he's the Michael Jordan or the Tom Brady right, of, of religion. Okay, I'm not a sports person. Okay, If you're into classical music, he's like the cello player, Yo-Yo Ma. All right? I don't know if he really is the goat. He's the only cello player I know, so I thought I'd throw that in there. All right? um, but you get what I mean, right? So if culture says being born again means get more religion in your life, or if, or, or if it means, hey, if you've hit rock bottom, you need this, then this guy, what, what is Jesus saying to him? He was at the top of his game. He didn't come seeking Jesus because he was broken in need of hope. Now, we're going to see he really is in need of hope, but he just didn't know it. Nicodemus is a great encounter for those of us. Maybe you've been raised in church your whole life, and you've got just enough Jesus just enough Jesus. You, you haven't fully surrendered your life, but you've got just enough religion to say, I think I'm okay. And so, like Nicodemus, we're on the outside of the kingdom looking in, but we think, we think we've arrived. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and it says here, it says he, he came at night. And why did he come at night? And we see at other times in John's gospel that people came to see Jesus at night because they were afraid. They didn't want to be recognized with Jesus. They had this, this fear of, man, I don't want to be associated with him, and so to protect my reputation, I'm going to meet him at night. See, what happened before this meeting in John chapter 2, maybe you remember this story, Jesus had just gone into the temple with a whip, and he's flipping over tables. He's kicking out the money changers who were, who were ripping people off who needed to exchange their currency so they could give to the temple in the currency there. He was, he was kicking out the people selling sacrifices and saying, get out of here. And he's, he's I mean, you can imagine, I would think Nicodemus was there because he was a ruler. He was a Pharisee. And Jesus rolling into the temple like he owned the place and saying, just really saying, your whole religion right now, how you're doing it, this is a farce. This is not how the Father called us. And the Pharisees at the end of chapter 2, they're like, who do you think you are? And so here after that whole scene, we have Nick at night. If you're old enough, you giggled right there. Come on. All right. 
I don't think Nicodemus is coming at night because he's someone seeking help or answers. Jesus had completely crashed his whole religious system. And so Nicodemus runs into Jesus and he says, Rabbi, term of respect, he goes, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. Notice he says we, coming as a representative, coming as a representative of the Pharisees, maybe the Sanhedrin. He says, listen, listen, we know you're a teacher come from God. And here's how I picture it. I picture what's going on here like, like every political drama you ever see, right, where they have the meetings, but then there's the back room meetings, right? That's where the politics really happens. And so here comes Nicodemus, and he's, he's grabbing Jesus. And he's like, hey, listen, Jesus, listen, listen. You're an amazing teacher. I am too. You're gaining a following, and hey, 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 maybe we can help each other out here. Like, like maybe the Pharisees could help you out, and you could help the Pharisees out. Like you kind of wrecked the temple last night or yesterday, but, but I think there's a way we can do this where we can both benefit from this. And how does Jesus respond to Nicodemus? I mean, does he take the compliment? He's like, wow, thanks, Nick. That means a lot coming from you. Yeah, I actually am. I am from God. In fact, in a way that you probably don't even know. No, no, he doesn't do that. He doesn't even flinch. Jesus doesn't even respond to what Nicodemus says. He goes right after what Nicodemus needs. Nicodemus doesn't know he needs this. He thinks he's got life all figured out, that, that maybe he could help Jesus out a little bit, but, but Jesus knows the desperate need of Nicodemus' heart, and he goes right after it. He's like, yeah, yeah you're right in, in, in recognizing that I couldn't do these things if I was not from God. But let me tell you another impossibility. It's impossible for anyone to see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Unless you're born again. Now, if you've got a study Bible or a Bible that has the little numbers by some words, you might notice there's a number by that born again. It, it, it can mean a couple of things. It's one of those words that has kind of a dual meaning. It can either mean born again or it can mean born from above. You kind of see what Jesus is saying here. I, I think Jesus chose that word on purpose, saying it, it's both. He's saying, listen, listen, hey, hey, Nicodemus, you're the totally put together guy. You're the guy who's got everything figured out. But whoever you think you are, Nicodemus, you need to start again. All your degrees, all your good works, all your knowledge, they mean nothing if you don't begin again, born again. And, and what he's saying is this born again you need, what you need, it's, it's not from within you. It's not something that you produce. It's from above. It's from outside of you. It's a gift you don't earn. And so Nicodemus responds to Jesus' statement. Look at verse 4. You need to be born again. Nicodemus said to him, how could a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I mean, Nicodemus is saying, yeah, Jesus, you're not making any sense here. And I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you, Jesus, my mom's not going to be up for this, right? <laughs> now, I got to wonder, Nicodemus wasn't, wasn't a dumb guy. He, he's brilliant. So, so I don't think Nicodemus is like, oh, maybe I got to be born again. I think he's being sarcastic. I think he's saying, are you kidding me? How is that ever going to happen? And, and why? Because Jesus made this conversation super uncomfortable. He, he's told an old man who's taught the Bible most of his life, who's lived righteously, who's served God, and he's just said, hey, Nicodemus, you've got to start over again. You need a new life. Your whole life has been on the wrong road. You've got to come back and go the right way. You've got to start over. So Jesus coming to this good person incredibly moral person, and he's not saying, Nicodemus, man, you've done great. There's just a little tweak we need to do. 
You've come so far. Now, let me give you help to get to the rest of the way. There's some things you need to work on. Nicodemus, I see, man, you've done so well, but there's this anger problem. Let's, let's, let's work on that. No, he says, Nicodemus, you've got to start all over again. You've got to go back to the beginning. Nothing you've done up to this point brought you any closer to the kingdom. You're not closer than anybody else, Nicodemus. I feel like it was... If Jesus was here this morning, he, he, he maybe he'd say it this way. He, he would say that, that the people hanging out on their docks on, on Lake Joseph and those battling addictions and begging for spare change, they're in the same place spiritually, is what he's saying. If you want to know God through Jesus Christ, you need to be born again. Everyone starts at day one. Now, now who receives a message like that with joy, Right? Yeah, not the person who thinks they don't need anything, right? It, if Jesus says to, to a, a bunch of other Nicodemuses another time in Matthew chapter 2, he says this to them. He says, listen, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are closer to getting in than you guys. Why would Jesus say that? Because typically as those who are broken by life, those who already know they're drowning, when Jesus says you need a savior, they say, yeah, I sure do. I mean, some of you here this morning, you'd be like, yeah, that's my story. That, that was me. And, and, and some of you here this morning, you're like, man, I still feel the same thing every day. I, I sing that song, Lord, I need you every hour. I need you. But the Pharisee, the person who has it all together, the one who's socially crushing it, the one who is financially winning, the one who's all of that, it's super offensive to say to that person, you need grace, you need help. Everybody starts over. Christianity is not this addition that you, you tack onto the side of what you're doing. It is a whole new thing. And so Jesus goes on in verse 5. Jesus answers. I love that Jesus never answers, never responds to what Nicodemus is saying. He just keeps going, right? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes or from where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Jesus says this. He, he now adds something to it. He says, you, you can't enter the kingdom unless you're born of the water and Spirit. Now, what's Jesus talking about here? That just seems so weird. Jesus, you're, you're confusing. What, what are you saying? Look at verses 9 and 10, though. I think this gives us a clue to what he's talking about. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? He's saying, you, you know the word. You, you know this better than anybody. Why do, what do you mean you don't understand what I'm saying? The water and the spirit. He's using an imagery taken from the Old Testament. From the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36. Where it says this, where, where the prophet says this. God says to the prophet, God says, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from your idols, I will cleanse you. There's, there's this water, a cleansing of the spirit. And then it goes on, and I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you, and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So you see what Ezekiel's saying here, what God's saying through Ezekiel. There's this, this external action of this cleansing water and an internal heart change. I'll put a new spirit in you. 
And, and with this new heart and new spirit in you, you're going to walk differently. You're going to walk in my statutes. Be careful to obey my rules. But notice the order of those verses in Ezekiel. It's not obey my rules and gain a new heart. It's new heart, then new life. The new heart that creates new life. That Jesus enters your life and a, a, there's this fundamental change deep inside that, that begins to be reflected in your daily choices and things you used to think were so important now as Christ has changed your heart, they, they don't seem so important anymore. Sin you used to really enjoy. Now you're like, man, I can't believe I used to indulge in that. I can't believe that used to drive my heart. And so, so clearly, Jesus is bringing Nicodemus, using the Old Testament imagery, he's saying, listen, Nicodemus, you don't just need a little adjustment. Like when you, when you bring your car in the mechanic and there's a sound that's in your car, you don't know what it is, you're trying to say it, it's like a, right, you're trying to say it, and, and you're hoping in your mind, man, I hope he just needs to like tighten a nut or add a small piece or maybe pour a little fluid in somewhere and the thing's taken care of and then your mechanic says, yeah, it's not just a small repair, like you're going to need a whole new engine. There's a whole new life we're called to that requires a whole new heart. I was reading this week about Augustine. And before Augustine met Jesus, he was a total sex addict. And then there was this time after following Christ, he runs into a woman that he knew in his prior life. She recognizes him and she's like, hey, Augie, what's up? I think that's what you called him, right? And, 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 and he was super kind to her and they're talking, but, but he was different. And she's kind of taken aback. And Augustine walks away leaves the conversation, and, and she's like, I don't think he remembers who I am. And so she runs after him and says, hey, hey, Augustine, it's me. And he turns to her and he says this, I know, but it's not me. He'd experienced a new life. There'd been a total transformation in him. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you need this new life, and it's not coming from you. It's not coming from the sources that you think it's coming from. It's not from the flesh, something you create. It's from the Spirit. And it's at this soul level. I mean, think about it this way. I have this flowering tree in, in my front garden of my house. Super nice, super nice. But what if one day I thought, you know what? The hydrangeas are pretty and all, but I would rather have something to eat. So I would rather have an apple tree. And so what do I do? I, I add fertilizer to the hydrangea. I, I water it really good. And then the next season, what do I have? I, I don't have apples. I'll have more and bigger and puffier clumps of flowers, right? Oh, I know what the problem was. I, I didn't prune it. I, I, I got to cut some things off. I've got I've to prune some stuff. And, ne and next season, more flowers, right? And that's what Jesus is talking about here. If you want new fruit in your life, you're going to need new roots for you. You need to have a, a total change. It's not religion. It's not trying harder. It's not read the Bible more, go to church, do good works. All of that is watering and pruning, and it's good if your roots are in the right place. But that's not the transformation. That's not the new life. I mean, maybe you'd say, man, I get that. I feel that. I feel how tiring it can be to hope that change happens by gritting my teeth, grabbing a hold harder, making this behavior modification work for me and It's a challenge for Nicodemus to hear this, but listen, there's a joy in this. You need a deep root change. I need to be changed at the heart level, but here's the joy. That change is possible. 
If you want new life, you need a new source. And, and, and it's not just adding more Jesus to your life, but fundamentally scrapping our whole way of thinking and living and saying, Jesus, you're the foundation. You're my treasure. And this new life now, it, it comes from above. It comes from being born again. Jesus unpacks it a little more. Look at verse 11. He says again, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Isn't that funny that Nicodemus starts with, we believe you're a good teacher. And she goes, oh, we? Okay, let me talk about my we. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Verse 12, if I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus is now talking about himself. And he says this, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so, the son of man, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. He's like, Nicodemus, you call me a teacher, but I'm coming to you not as a teacher. I come with new life for you, and it's hard for you to grasp. Life is so good for you, Nicodemus. You, you think you've got it all figured out. You think you don't need new life. And from the outside looking in all your accomplishments, this is going to be hard for you to hear. And so he gives this picture of the, this, he said, the serpent raised in the wilderness. It's this super weird story from, from Numbers 21. Here's what it is. Israel had rebelled against God. And, and because of that, there's these snakes that came. Sounds crazy. Snakes biting them. They're sick and dying because of their rebellion now. And so God tells Moses, Moses, here's what I want you to do. Make a bronze snake. Lift it up on a pole. And everybody who looks at that metal snake will be healed. And what's the picture there? God, God's saying this. He's saying, look at that thing that caused your sickness and death. Look up at that. And that thing that caused your sickness and death, I, I'm going to bring new life if you just simply look and trust. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up the snake, so I'm going to be lifted up. Where, where do we see that in Scripture? Where, where do we see Jesus lifted up? Where do we see Jesus lifted up in that way? It's on the cross, right? That he's lifted up, just, just like in Numbers 21, that in that moment, Jesus Christ absorbing the wrath of God. Scripture says becoming sin, not just bearing our sin, but he became sin. So he's lifted up. Jesus becomes sin on the cross for you and me. And we're told, look and live. We're told, look at that sacrifice. Look at that gift of new life. Trust in that. And so Jesus saying to Nicodemus, saying to us this morning, you're so infected by sin. You're dying. You, you need new life. And all the watering, all the pruning, all the fertilizing is not going to bring the new life you need. All the things we put our hope in. It's when you see that Jesus is not just a great teacher, but he's your savior. Amen. I mean, look at all the things Jesus has called us to do, and they're good things to, to live out the kingdom. You, you read through the Sermon on the Mount, but I don't know about you, but uh, do you ever feel like you're really bad at being a Christian? Anybody? Am I the only one? Like, read the Sermon on the Mount. It'll make you feel horrible, right? It's good stuff. Like, I want to live that out, but I read that and I go, I don't do that. Listen, it's not a teacher saying, here's what we need to do. It's meant for us to run into that like a wall and say, I can't live that out. And you see Jesus. You say, Jesus, I need you for this. 
mean, I look at my own life. I, I was thinking about this. What if I was Nicodemus? What would I be coming with? And I was thinking about what it was like, to, what it was like pastoring over these last few years, pastoring through this pandemic, and, and listen, what it revealed about my heart at the root level, what it revealed about me. And here's what I started thinking through. I, I'm thinking this, and I knew this before this, but it's like God used it as a way to go, let's really dig those roots up. Because in, in, in those, those moments of what we're going through, I'm asking the question now as I look back, man, why was I so concerned about what people thought? Why was I so worried? Why, why was I so easily shaken? Why, why was it so difficult? And, and, and my desire over those couple of years was this. I hope you heard it from me clearly. Let's keep the gospel the focus. Yeah, you all got opinions about this thing, but, but man, we're not here about that. We're here about Jesus Christ. Let's do that. I'm going to tell you, I would say that boldly here, but that was hard. Now, I have pastor friends who I love, and they're like, it wasn't hard for me, man. I just stood up and dropped that. I said, this is it. I'm like, yeah, okay, you have different struggles probably, but here's mine. And what is that? What's going on in my heart during that? It's sin at the root level. Like I, I can attack that kind of thing and, and, and I can self-justify. Yeah, but it was so hard, man. Opinions were so varied. People were so passionate. It was so, like I, I can try to self-justify. That doesn't do anything. Or I could go to self-loathing. Man, I can't believe how much I struggle. I can't believe as a pastor I can't get a hold of this stuff. I, I, like, I'm, I'm not worthy of the gospel if I can't get this. I can, I can go there. Or, or I can see Jesus just as a teacher and the life he's called me to. And I'm like, man, I'm going to try harder. I, I'm going to water and prune. and I'm going to get on this. And, and Jesus says, stop all of that. Instead, look and trust. You see, my sin at the root level is just that. I, I, I don't believe, I don't trust. The, the gospel says that I'm broken down to a deeper level than, than just my actions, that there's this sin on the surface that reveals root level. Me desiring approval. Me putting you guys in the place of Jesus Christ. Say, like, I need you to approve of me. But listen, when I, when I see Jesus... And I see in that moment, I'm hoping for another Savior. And then I see Jesus and the gospel that says this. Look at verse 16, a verse most of you will know by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I mean, you, you hit that. Wait a minute, Jesus loves me that much? Like, let that become the most important thing about you. Let, let that be the loudest truth you hear. Let that be this deep root level at work that, that, that your sin is revealing that I'm not resting in grace. I'm not resting in God's love and approval of me through Christ. And, and I'm trying to make other things save myself. To be my hope, to be my life, to be my meaning. Instead, let's look to Jesus. Let's see the cross. Let, let's repent of the sin under the sin. Let's see, man, where am I serving a false God? Jesus, I'm trusting in something other than you as my Savior. And you get to that point and then you rejoice again in the gospel. That my heart has been changed from stone to flesh. That my roots have been transformed and are being transformed. So as we wrap this up, the question is asked, well then, how do we get that? How do we get to this place of being born again? And here's what I love about this metaphor. Think about your first birth. You, you didn't do anything to be born. I mean, you can't high-five your mom and go, man, we did it. 
Uh, no, you did not do anything. She did all the work, okay? Listen, in the same way we look to Jesus, he bled, he suffered for you to be born again. He took the wrath of God that you and I deserved so that we look and live. Jesus did all the work on our behalf. He, he, he suffered because he saw that it was worth it to bring you to glory. So, so what happened to Nicodemus? When Nicodemus heard this, how did that land on his heart? Here's what we see, praise God. By the end of the book of John, you see Nicodemus is transformed. He saw Jesus, literally saw Jesus high and lifted up, and he was changed as he put his hope in Christ. Why do I say that? By, by John chapter 7, we see Nicodemus kind of quietly standing up for Jesus, Jesus being attacked by the Pharisees, and, and Nicodemus the one going, hey, shouldn't we let him speak? But by John 21, we read, we read that after Jesus had died, who took his body? Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. You see, if you're crucified on a cross in that time, you wouldn't get buried. You'd be thrown on a trash heap because that's what you are if you were crucified. But, but Nicodemus, now seeing him high lifted up, saying, this is no ordinary man, risks everything, risks his reputation, risks financially as he, he pours out a ton of money to be able to take Jesus, wrap him in all those spices. Why? Because he's believing. He was changed. He put his hope in not, not, not his self-righteousness. Instead, with humility, he's saying, I need this Savior as a new life. As the worst team comes up, let me, let me ask you this question. Where are you this morning in this? Maybe you see yourself as Nicodemus. You go, yeah, you know what? My life is pretty good. And, I, and maybe you wouldn't say my life is perfect, but you could see yourself, man, I'm striving on my own. Listen, if a guy like Nicodemus needed a savior, how much more do we? There's that Nicodemus outlook that can happen so often in church where, where, where we have this outward religion. We think, this is my hope, this is my help, and it, and it keeps us from taking that step of humility and brokenness to die to ourselves and say, I need new life. You know, you, you prayed the prayer, you came forward, you checked off the box, you, you've gone to the classes, you're reading your Bible, and your life looks great from the outside looking in. But let me ask you the question this morning, have you been born again? Have you come to the end of yourself where you said, I need Jesus? I pray today that you would see that that you'd see this, that maybe what you don't want to be declared as truth, you'd recognize that it is truth, that you need new life. That you can't manufacture this, that you need a savior. Maybe here this morning as a Christ follower, and you see in your life, you, you can recognize, man, I, I see the sin and I see under the sin, under the sin where I'm trusting in things that aren't my savior, they're false saviors. And my, my prayer is this, that maybe this morning, this morning you say, I wanna look and live today. I wanna trust again in the promise of Christ in my place. I wanna put my hope there again. I want to be transformed by that again today. I want to rehearse the gospel again today. I've heard it so often, but I, I, I want it to go deep. I want it to transform. How will you know? How will you know if you've been born again? It's definitely not a life of perfection. 
but it's this life of growing from one degree of glory to the next as you lean in again today, saying, Jesus, I need you again today. I'm telling you, there will be transformation. It's guaranteed by God's word. I've used this illustration before. Imagine if I came in this morning and I said, man, on my way over here, I was just walking outside there and there was a, a delivery truck coming from Rolston's and it hit me. I mean, it ran me over. Then I wondered what it hit, so it backed up and ran me over again. And then it drove away, ran me over a third time. And I'm standing here like this. You'd be like, mm, that story doesn't seem true. Why not? Because you do not look like you've been hit by a truck three times, right? Have you been born again? Is there this transformation? Not a transformation that says, I'm doing this to earn my salvation, but has your heart been so changed by Christ that you say, man, I live differently now. I have new desires. Not perfectly. I still sin. I still struggle. But in that, I'm taking that back to the Lord, saying, he's my hope. Listen, this morning as we sing, let's keep looking to Jesus as our hope. And then we move out of here, not as Nicodemus is trusting in ourselves, but as the new Nicodemus is saying, I need Jesus. He's all I need. I'm fully trusting in him to save, to redeem, to transform me today. Amen? Let's stand, let's sing together.